Have you ever seen the movie uh, War Room? Uh, it sounds like a World War II combat movie, but it's really about a woman who's learning how to pray for her husband and her child and her family. It's a, a godly older woman convinces her that her struggle that she's going through is really a spiritual one in nature. And the only way to solve it is to draw closer to the Lord, to find a daily place for prayer. In her case, it was her large walk-in closet, and she makes it her war room, her prayer room. And the movie chronicles her struggle to pray regularly daily. She tries to pray for 10 minutes, but she falls asleep. And another day, she tries to combat this by bringing a bag of chips and soda into her room so she can stay awake, but that doesn't work. But it isn't until she's convinced that God is listening to her, that she really is in a place and that she's really in a place of spiritual battle, that she comes to this place of understanding that prayer is so important Trusting God in his word is so important and being guided and led by the Holy Spirit in, in prayer is powerful and it's life changing. You know, a few months ago, I got an email from the leaders of our denomination inviting our church into 40 days of prayer. And Pastor Peter and I were already planning on inviting everyone to 21 days of prayer beginning in January, <clears throat> but this just seemed like God was challenging us to even have a deeper commitment. You know, our theme for 2021 is pursuing the deeper life in Christ. And part of that theme has to do with learning to pray, uh, developing a deeper relationship with the Lord. And the best way I know how to learn how to pray is to pray. So we hope you'll join us. We hope you don't feel intimidated by the idea of 40 days of prayer. I mean, sometimes we think about it and we say, man, I can't spend five minutes in prayer. What are you talking about? 40 days. But I promise you, if you at least begin to pray for five minutes a day, uh, God will bless that and he'll encourage you in this relationship that he wants to have with you. It's going to start January 3rd and it's going to go through February 12th. And uh, it's a long winter, but if you put it in prayer, I think it can be a wonderful winter that God gives us. So we encourage you to go to our website. You can sign up with a, your email, and then you'll begin to receive uh, daily devotionals, and it'll teach you about how to pray, why to pray, and what to pray for. You know, I've also asked Pastor Peter, Pastor Chi, and Pastor Ray to join me in a sermon series about the deeper life and about how to build our relationship with the Lord in a stronger way. So I hope that you'll come back every week, uh, these next 40 days beginning next Sunday. You know, whenever we do 21 days of prayer, or 40 days of prayer, I get a little pushback uh, from some people and then also from just my own thinking. And some say, why 40 days of prayer? I can hardly pray for just a few minutes or they'll say, I'm a doer, not a prayer. Or it sounds like another New Year resolution that I am not going to keep again. I'll probably fail in about three days. And anyways, why pray? If God is in control of everything, why should I even pray? You know, those are good questions. <clears throat> Maybe some rationalization going on there. 
But I think we need to rethink how and why we pray. Making a commitment to praying more than usual, it's not easy, but it's definitely worth it. It's really all about reconnecting with the Lord in a deeper way than we ever have before. You know, a, a while back, there was another movie. <clears throat> it was called Fireproof. It was about a firefighter whose marriage was also under fire. It was being destroyed by his lack of involvement and communication. And at the end of the movie, there was a challenge to married couples to commit to 40 days of communicating love and kindness to one another. There were assignments for each of the 40 days, like day one was commit to saying nothing negative about your spouse, but only encourage them, only respect them, only praise them. Do you know how hard that can be? And then day two was the next day you are to initiate showing kindness to your spouse by taking the initiative first to help them, to bless them, to serve them. <clears throat> well, after 40 days of these assignments each day, marriages began to be renewed. A good marriage relationship takes both spouses, both partners to be committed to one another. And unfortunately, though, in most marriages, the commitment of one marriage partner is greater than the other. And sometimes one spouse has already emotionally left the marriage and does not know or even want to come back to it. Now, when we think about our relationship with God, could it be that we've left the relationship? I mean, the deep relationship that he desires to have with us? When I read the scripture, I think about God's love towards me. And I see, you know, he's 100% committed uh, wanting to forgive me. And even as we sang that song, searching me out, climbing up every mountain, knocking down every door to convince me of his love. He desires to have a love relationship with me. But how am I responding back to him? Am I pursuing him? Or am I like the unfaithful spouse or the withdrawn spouse or a too distracted, too busy person that does not initiate love and kindness anymore? Thank God he pursues us. But there comes a time when we have to respond to him. You know, we just celebrated Christmas. The Christmas theme is often about Emmanuel. You know what the scripture says in Matthew uh, they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the great miracle of Christmas, is that God wants to be with us. And he invaded time and space to do that. And he still does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's another part in the gospel, and I don't have any notes to show you today. I'm just, we're coming to you live from my living room, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn to them or you can take down some notes. But John chapter one, verse 14 says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. When we spend time in prayer and in his word, we're spending time in a place that is full of grace. And grace means God's unmerited, unearned favor. And truth, it's also full of truth that com combats the lies of our culture, the negativity in our own souls. Sometimes we're negative to ourselves. And it also exposes the schemes of the devil in our lives. 
if you keep on reading in John chapter one, verse 18, it says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father. He's made him known. So we have this great invitation to be in the Lord's presence through the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer. And we have promises in the scripture that say, if we seek him in prayer, we'll find him. He'll make himself known to us, just like we read in Jeremiah 29. Then you'll call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Throughout the Bible, throughout history of believers, God wants a connected interaction with us that's personal, that's real. You know, Pete Briscoe says this about thinking prayer. Prayer is an intimate conversation. Listen to this. Prayer is an intimate conversation with the one who passionately loves you and lives in you. Prayer is not an action. It's an interaction. And that interaction takes place in and through the Holy Spirit. You see, when Jesus walked the earth, we have his prayer life recorded in the Gospels. This interaction that he had with his heavenly father through prayer was so important to him. It was something that his disciples saw him do so often. They were impressed by him going off alone and praying. And they also saw the impact it had in his life and for all that he did and said. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. It's right in the beginning of the New Testament. You can follow along and it begins. And Luke documents this prayer life of Jesus. Even right at his baptism, it says in Luke 3.21, and as he is praying, the heavens open. As Jesus is praying, he's praying during his baptism. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and God spoke to him. Then you go to the next chapter, Luke chapter 4. He said he is led to fast and pray for 40 days in the wilderness. There's a spiritual battle that he comes into. It's a confrontation with the devil, and Jesus prays. He quotes from scriptures, and he, and he, and he uh, says the promises and the commands of God out loud to the devil, and he wins this spiritual battle, and the devil leaves him alone. He flees. You know, in that movie, War Room, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but I encourage you to watch it. The main character is in the greatest struggle of her life. And she's falling into fear and depression. And she begins to read a verse she has taped to her closet wall, her little war room. And it just says simply this, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And she said it over again, but she said it slower this time and more convincing. And by the time she said it and believed it, she begins to pray with a new confidence with a greater authority that she has ever had in her life before. And it makes all the difference in the world, in her life. Getting back to, to Jesus' prayer life in Luke chapter five, every is, everybody's coming to see Jesus. He's so busy, but what does he do? It says in verse 16, Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and he prayed. I don't know about you, but this pandemic has also forced us into some lonely places, but we're not alone. Uh, God is with us and he's waiting for us to call upon him, to know him better, to know him in a deeper way. 
He's calling us to learn to pray and to become even more deeply dependent upon him and his power. You know, we can't fix this pandemic. A lot of times we can't even fix the people around us. We really can't. But God can do something in their lives as we pray. In Luke 6, it says, Jesus, in the next chapter, Luke 6, it says, in verse 12, uh, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the all night praying to God. And what he did was, after he came back, he chose his 12 disciples, and then he gives one of the greatest teachings, followed by healing many people that were gathered there. His prayer life had a direct impact on his power to teach, on his power to pray for people, and on his discernment to understand who should be the people that he was going to be investing in. Then in chapter 9 in Luke, we have an account of Peter's confession of Jesus as the Messiah, as the Son of God, but it comes right on the heels of Jesus praying and asking him the question, In verse 18, it says, once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? Jesus knew the particular question to ask Peter at that particular time to get him to think about who he really was. Often, how we phrase a question or engage with somebody in a spiritual conversation can have a tremendous effect on them, but if we pray first, Uh, we'll get those words, we'll get those understanding, we'll have a greater discernment and sensitivity to the people around us if we're listening to God first. Later in that same chapter at the mountain of his transfiguration, the purpose for Jesus getting alone with Peter, James, and John was prayer. He took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to the mountain to pray. Jesus was going up to the mountain to pray with his three disciples. He longed to be with the Father, and he longed to teach us how to pray. In Luke 18, we find that Jesus is teaching his disciples about persistent prayer. Then he told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Isn't it amazing how much there is in the gospel about Jesus praying? And then, of course, in Luke 22, right before Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why was he always praying? He needed the connection with his heavenly father to be real, fresh, and ongoing. What did he do apart from prayer? What did Jesus really do apart from prayer? He really didn't do anything. The Bible says he did absolutely nothing. It says that he only, he even said it, I only do what the father tells me to do. Jesus had this intimate interaction with his heavenly father And his father prompted him and taught him what to do and when to do it. It's no surprise that the disciples, they're hanging out with Jesus in the midst of these three years of ministry. They've seen him pray. And what do they do? What do they ask him? One day, it says in Luke chapter 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He then gave them a pattern for prayer. You see, many teachers of that day, many rabbis would give their disciples, the people that they were investing in, a way to pray that would help them to stay focused and not fall asleep or to stay on track with learning how to pray. 
And Jesus did that with his disciples and he did it with us. And you know that prayer, it's one of the, it may be a prayer that you even memorize as a child. I know I did. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You know, I could say that prayer and memorize it and say it 20 times in probably one minute, but it never impacted me because I was just saying the words. I was, I was saying the action, but I was having no interaction with my heavenly father. You know, God wants us to say that prayer, but he wants to say it very slowly. And he wants us to think about it because it starts off with the words, our father, our heavenly father who art in heaven. And he uses the word father, meaning a very affectionate term in the Greek. It says Abba or uh, Papa or Baba or daddy. And that that was that displayed something of a close relationship with his father. And then he's saying, our father, hallowed be thy name. Your name is holy. Your name uh, reveals your character and power. And we need to ask for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want God's will to be, happen in our life. You see, as you go through that prayer, there's so many things that God wants to teach us and to pray for and teach us how to pray for, whether it's our daily needs, our daily bread, or whether it's the spiritual battle that we're in, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, uh, there is a spiritual battle that we're going in and that we're in it right now. So God wants to teach us how to pray. Then Jesus tells the disciples a story in that same chapter in Luke 11 to emphasize the tremendous results coming from prayer. He tells a story of a neighbor who comes at midnight and uh, knocks at, a neighbor, at another neighbor's door because he's had a guest that has come to his house and he doesn't have anything to feed him. In the Middle East, um, your hospitality is one of your greatest uh, gifts and one of the greatest social norms that everybody practices. Not to have food for a guest who comes, even in the middle of the night, is a social, uh, you know, not socially accepted. So he goes to his neighbor and he says, neighbor, please give me some food here so I can feed the guests that come. And uh, the guest, uh, the neighbor says to him, I can't get up. I mean, if I get up and unlock the door and in those days, people usually lived in a one-room house. All the children slept in the same one room with the parents. And it was a very small, probably poor village that Jesus often walked through. And this was the type of house he was referring to. If the owner of that house gets up, he'll wake up all the children. It'll be chaos. But the neighbor continues to knock. He continues to say he desperately needs it. And out of his sheer shameless audacity, uh, because of that, the neighbor gets up and feeds him and gives him the bread. And this is what Jesus said. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. You know, our Heavenly Father is not like a begrudging, busy, too busy father or neighbor that doesn't have the time or is going to be bothered by us asking for things. 
It says, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. The Lord wants to have, not just to give us things, but to have a relationship with us. He wants to dwell with us and be in us and empower us to live for him. See, the Lord is desiring a deeper relationship with us, not just to give us things, but to know him better. The 40 days of prayer is about putting down some of the things we have and humbly coming to him, to spending time to seek him, to intercede for others according to his will. Uh, You know, he wants to have us come into this deeper relationship. And we have seen in our church history how God has answered prayer as we've come to him, as we've sought him. He has healed people. He has delivered people. He's transformed marriages. He's done amazing things in people's lives. But it's as we come to him. You know, we've seen him. uh, I would just think about Carlos and Chandra, who couldn't have a child. And then all of a sudden, God blessed them with this beautiful baby. God answers prayer. It's an amazing, amazing uh, gift that we have to come into the presence of the Lord and to seek him and to know him. See, as we read through the Bible, we see a model in scripture of men and women spending extra time interacting with God, hearing God speak, and then acting on what he says. You think about Abraham in the Bible, or Daniel, or the woman Esther, Hannah, uh, King David, in their times, being in the presence of the Lord made all the difference in their lives. You know, you may feel, oh, Pastor Al, I just feel so inadequate about praying. I've never really prayed before. It seems awkward. It seems unnatural. Sometimes I don't know what to think. I don't know what to say when I pray. A big part is praying is keeping it simple. And I've told you this the last few messages. Keep it simple. Keep it honest and keep it going. And as well as being still and silent and just alone with God, silence is one of the beautiful things. If you're in the presence of the Lord and you're quiet, God can do something in your life. You know, we're constantly being bombarded by information, spam calls, social media, uh, news outlets. Sometimes the greatest thing we could do for our souls is to have some silence. When we're being bombarded by so much information, it actually does violence to our souls. And sometimes God wants us to stop and just listen. We don't have to say everything. Sometimes we just need to listen. Maybe we need to spend some time listening to worship music, just being in his presence, and then being guided by the Holy Spirit on what to pray for and why to pray. I think Jesus modeled this as he goes off to a quiet place to pray so often. It's a quiet place. <laughs> so don't be um, overwhelmed by not sure, not be, being not sure what to say. You know, uh, just allow the Lord to teach you to pray. And uh, this is a wonderful time that we can begin to do this over these next 40 days. You know, John 15 uh Uh, says this about Jesus, you know, 
some of his last words recorded to disciples are about prayer and about this connection that he wants with them. And he says this, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You see that connection? If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. You know, apart from a branch by itself cannot bear fruit, but when it's tied into the rest of the tree, uh, it can produce a lot of fruit or the vine. It can produce a lot of fruit. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there's this relationship, this close relationship. And then even God births in us some of the things that we need to ask him for. And in this relationship, he will give those things that are in line with his will. And then there's this interaction that takes place. So there's a connection, there's an interaction. And this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. There's results. There's results of what happens when we pray. And you show yourselves to be my disciples as you pray. You know, so as so the Lord wants us into this, this wonderful relationship with him. You know, prayer is a way to help us remain in Christ and remain in his love and be motivated by his love to talk to him about the needs we see in our own lives or around those in our lives, our families, our friends, our community. You know, there was a time in my life when I needed wisdom to know what to do next in my life. I had three teenagers. I had just moved to Kansas. I'd been there three years, but I was definitely not supposed to stay there. And I knew there was a move coming up but I didn't know where it would be. And I remember talking to another staff member who was at a leadership training ranch that I was with, you know, teaching young men about the Lord. And uh, we made an agreement together. We would pray with our wives at five o'clock in the morning, every morning for several weeks. And I was desperate. I needed to understand and know what God wanted me to do next. So I woke up with my wife, Lori, and she's not a morning person, but she did it too. And we, for several weeks each day, we would come together with this other couple and we'd pray from five o'clock to 5.30 in the morning before our children woke up, before their children woke up. And after a while, it became clear what my next move was, was to come back to the New York City area and be a pastor again. And this is what God had called me to do. You see, the Lord wants to have this interactive connection with us through prayer. He modeled for this for us in our earthly ministry. In his ministry, he modeled this. And then when you read the book of Acts, after Jesus' resurrection with the disciples in the early church, they go from one prayer meeting to another. And they're, you can see that they're being empowered. They're being influenced by their time of prayer. They're gaining wisdom. They have a new confidence and boldness and uh, guidance for the challenges in their life. They know what to do next and what not to do. And even when we don't know how to pray or what to pray, God says something like this in, about the Holy Spirit's role in our life. He says in Romans 8, 26 and 27, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Have you ever just groaned before the Lord or just sighed or just been so overwhelmed? A lot of times the Holy Spirit is also praying for you. 
And the Father knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is praying, it says in verse 27, for the Spirit pleads for believers in harmony with God's own will. In our most desperate times when we're overwhelmed, do not know what to pray, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Sometimes we can sense that happening in our lives. And I hope as you join in the 40 days of prayer that you'll sense the Holy Spirit guiding you and teaching you how to pray. You know, Jesus ended this section of scripture in Luke chapter 11, 1 through 13, by saying this. He wanted to them to understand that their heavenly father is not like a, a neighbor who begrudgingly just gives the bread to them. He says this, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and some of you who are parents, I'm sure you gave good gifts to your children this Christmas. And it was a delight to do that, wasn't it? To see them open up some gifts, to see them express their thanks, and to see them be blessed and they getting the things that they really wanted. But Jesus says this, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The greatest gift we could have is the presence and the power of God in our lives. We, uh, Carlos sang that song, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Jesus. So I, I encourage you, this may be a season in our lives, a liminal season in our lives, where we are on the threshold of what God wants to do next in our lives. But in order to discover that, in order to walk into that confidently and boldly and with authority, God wants us to spend time with him. And so I really encourage you to do that this, this season coming up these next 40 days, starting January 3rd. And what are some action steps you can take to respond to this message? Well, take the initiative, sign up for our 40 days of prayer. You just go to our website, liaconline.com, and there'll be a place where you can sign up and put your email in there, and then you'll get the daily devotionals that will help and guide you in how to pray and what to pray for. And then incorporate some fasting into your prayer life. What? You want me to pray, but you also want me to fast? Yeah. Take something that is a distraction to your everyday, to, to prayer in your life and replace that with an activity. Uh, replace that activity with prayer. So let's say uh, maybe you, you love to binge watch on movies. Instead of doing that, uh, instead of doing that, take some time to pray or to read a book on prayer. Uh, get off social media or gaming for weeks or, or days and uh, spend that extra time with prayer. Carve out some of those places by fasting from things that distract you, and it can be food as well, and, and use that time that you would eat that meal to pray to God. Do you know that they've actually done studies about physical fasting from food, and they say it's one of the healthiest things for your life is to fast, you know, 14, 16 hours a day before you eat your next meal. 
and to eat healthy, of course, but, but maybe if we did that a little bit during this 40 days of prayer, that we would have time to spend with our Heavenly Father. And then third, you know, so take the initiative, incorporate fasting into your prayer life. Third thing is yield to the Holy Spirit, guiding and helping and prompting you to pray. And when we yield to the Holy Spirit in times of silence and solitude, he'll begin to birth in you to, to bring to mind the things that we, we should pray for, even things that we should read in the Bible. And you will be amazed at the transformation that God will make in your life and in your relationship with him. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless uh, the rest of this day and to teach us how to pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time that we could be together. Lord, I pray that you would minister to each person listening today. Lord, that you would speak into our lives, that we wouldn't rationalize this 40 days of prayer and say, no, that's not for me. That's, that's for somebody else. But Lord, that we would engage in it. That Lord, we take a step of faith and commitment to you. That would be real that would honor you, and Lord, that you teach us to pray during this time. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you desire this for us. You desire to have this relationship with us. You're a good, good father. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.